Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwene Poon. This is episode 262. I'm joined, as always, on this chilly Thursday evening by my co-host, Prez. That is at Presidente underscore, or at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. By the time the uh, this pod hits the streets, I will be uh, about to go to my first next game of the season. Here in D.C., uh, we'll see which Wizards suit up, but I'll be there in my uh, inaugural inaugural usage of my Jalen Brunson jersey. So, Have you not worn it before? No, I just got it um, like a month and a half ago. It, it's the um, – I confuse what they call it. The Not the city. The Is it the city or the statement? It's one of those. The, the Navy giant. I'm the wrong person. I think that's the – Pretty sure that's the city one. It's the navy joint with the orange trim, which is fire. And pretty much ever since I bought it, Brunson has been averaging like eight thousand points. So you're welcome, internet. Uh, yep, it's all down to you. You did it by buying yep, his jersey. I don't make the rules. You and nobody else. Uh, all right. Before we get started, <laughs> I do have to make an announcement that Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to that. There are a number of tiers. There's a six dollar tier. That gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Andrew Steele and Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never fucking stops. There are further tiers. There's a nine-dollar tier. You get access to my solo pod, Strickland Roll, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to Wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening to our pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, another would be possible without you. And if you are interested, uh, The Strickland also has an Instagram, which you can follow at thestrick.land. On Instagram, give us a follow. We're posting new content on there all the time. Uh, it would be a big help for us as we continue to try and grow the website. Uh, also, we have a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit the like button and then subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to a 1,000. Everybody that subscribes is doing us a huge favor. All right. Now, without further ado, let's get started. The Knicks have won another basketball game. They have now won five of their last six uh, after losing five straight, after winning eight straight, after starting 10 and, three, 10 and 13. Very confusing season. Um, but it's kind of, I want to say it's been fun, but it's like not really always been fun. Uh, but it's been, it's been, a, it's been a ride. It's been a journey. We're here. We're at 23 and 19. Uh, the Knicks beat, why the hell, well, they beat the Pacers. Um, who uh they, they they won the Halliburton Bowl uh yesterday 
and uh, they did it in very interesting fashion, one could say. But it was good to see. Uh, they they came out 119-113 victors. Uh, I don't know. This was another game where they did a lot of the things they've been doing during this stretch where they absolutely come out and crush the first and second quarters. Things get bogged down in the third, early in the third, and then they start, you know, just shooting themselves in the foot for the last, you know, 15 minutes of the game. Uh, but most of the time they seem to hold it together and get wins, but it's a weird trend. I don't know where you want to go with that. Um, I feel like I've talked about the same exact trend fucking 15 times going back to last season. So I really don't know what to say about it anymore. Other than that, I dismissed the entire notion that, well, a lot of teams doing it. So I guess you just got to live with that. I think that's horseshit. That's basically saying that you can't get better and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's out of your control, which is nonsense. Um, I'm sorry. I don't subscribe to that. And quite frankly, I think that 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 effectively puts no blame on anybody. That's just saying, well, sometimes players will fuck up, sometimes coaches fuck up, and you can't do anything about that. And that's patently ridiculous. We know this because just as a, a fucking like normal thing that any of us do in life is just like, hey, uh, I suck at this thing. I should try to get better at this thing. Well, most of the time, anyway. Sometimes you just accept you suck at something and uh, live with it. But I assume <laughs> basketball players try to get better at the basketball. And I assume basketball coaches try to figure out how to help the players at their disposal get better at the basketball. Um, so I think that that line of reasoning is ridiculous. And I also reject the idea that a team can be, that can be so dominant in the first and second quarters can be so unable to do the things that they did in the first two quarters with great success uh, at all. Uh, so that's that's where I stand on that. Uh, and I wanted to say that before I let you apparently say a single word. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah. Um, so kind on this Thursday. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I agree. And I'll say this for Indiana. Like, before I, we get into, if you want to, the particulars of what could be done differently, um, Rick Carlisle... He's a good coach most of the time, right? Last year was kind of weird. Um, wasn't a, his best coaching season. Coaches, we've talked about this before. Coaches have some, not all coaching seasons for the same coach are equally performed, right? Just like anybody. We all have years where we're better at our job than others. Um, roster this year, much more Carlisle-y uh, on many fronts. Um, Carlisle. Nice. Carlisle. Yeah, copyright that. Um, and one thing... One thing that's interesting to me is, you know, like, uh, they didn't have several guys, right? So they didn't have Miles Turner scratched at the last minute. They didn't have Andrew, uh, you know, ghost of Ron Artest, Nesmith, who beasted us for, like, 23 points and 11 rebounds last time, which was, I I say non-sarcastically, I was truly impressed by because he was truly a one-dimensional player coming into the league and... They stole him from Boston, pumped him full of horse steroids, and told him, you're the power forward now, bruh. Because they had a big hole of power forward, and even mediocre is a big upgrade over what they uh, what they were doing for a lot of the year. Um, so good on Carlisle and Nesmith for, for doing that. But they didn't have him yesterday. Um, Nesmith, Turner, they were missing someone else. Uh, well, they lost, they lost Halliburton. Yeah, so they lost Halley later. Uh, Which actually worked in their favor. 
So that's what I was gonna. I mean, Halley has his talents on 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 offense, of course, but um, he's not really <laughs> on defense. I think we can agree that uh, his struggles are probably not covered that much. Uh, you know, I mean, he's twenty. Whatever, fuck it. Like, I'm not gonna. It. it I'll say this: it's interesting that he gets all this hype and minimal coverage of his weaknesses because usually 20 year old prospects who have limelight um unless they're true like the express ticket hall of famers like luca or something like even jason tatum back when he was 20 we were like uh is this the part where he like drives the ball or does that come later like we I mean were, that, that we, took him a long time actually that took it until did. that actually kind of took until like this year yeah 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 no absolutely i mean he was just when you're that talented, you you know you can rely on your gifts, and 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 ha- with Halliburton, it's it's much the same way. Like he's very talented at offense in a lot of ways. He, he has his he has things that I'm sure he'll improve, just like Tatum did over over the years, just like most guys improve. But on defense, he's he's really slight. He can't really physically impose himself, and he's not short, and he has decent length, but it doesn't really matter because he's not particularly. Um, He's not particularly fast or strong, so like for 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 our guards in particular, who are so like, can they're like all like compact boulders of different heights, basically. Even IQ, um, it, it's a lot to deal with. And then you know, you replace that with fucking Nick Killer Hall of Famer Nemesis Legend TJ McConnell, uh, University of Arizona Legend, who I patterned my game after in real life, um, which. Is that a compliment? Is that an insult? Is that self-deprecating? I'll leave it to you listeners to interpret. <laughs> but, um, you know, TJ McConnell, um, Andrew Nemhard is, you know, he's not a, he's not a young rookie and he's small, but he's, he gives, he gives a shit on defense, right? Like we knew that coming in. That was one of his things more than his offense, really. Um, so they had superior guard defense and they were like, Hey, Nick's. We're going to throw a curveball at you. Usually the curveball that teams throw at the Knicks on defense is his own. Um, Has the, Embiid had, like, braids going on for a while or something? No, super recent, like yesterday or the day before. Yeah. I, I'm not he, a huge fan. He looks terrible. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's it just not it's just not good for him for experimenting. You know, I've been there. It was COVID. I was trying to grow my hair out and all that shit. But bring your fro back, bro. Yeah, I need him. What has... I need him to do is I need him to get, like, a fucking... Ben Wallace giant fro headband combo because he you know who physically... needs to do that it quickly just needs to do that because he has it quickly has done like the big hair before he's only done it for like two he did it for like two games and yeah. then he's like no I gotta get my like Christian braids on I don't I don't want him to whatever he's doing <laughs> keep it the same none of don't listen to Swin's fucking hair advice he's hooping right now keep keep it the same we've all I've already you already know my feelings on who on the Knicks needs to change their fucking hair. Jericho Sims, um, especially if you're in the if they get him in the dunk contest, come on, bro, don't embarrass us with that fucking fucking. What's that dude on the Simpsons? Oh, I, I Krusty, Krusty the Clown. No, there's another guy with like that kind of hair. I, 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 I don't know. All right, um, one of the other Strickland people who watches all the fucking <laughs> TV shows can figure it out. Uh, where was I going? Oh, yeah. So uh, the curveball from the Pacers uh, was pressure defense. So the Pacers are, are I think they score the most fast break points, and they're very much run and gun. 
more so than anybody in the NBA, I think. And when you actually couple that with pressure defense, it's like it goes from 10 to 11. They're running and gunning. And I was curious. So uh, I was looking at our transition numbers throughout the year, and it's been pretty up and down on the whole. Cumulatively, it's we're fine, like middle to a little bit above average. Um, but, it, you know, we have like weird streaks of good transition defense and poor transition decent defense. But I think the combination of like ball pressure and them running really flustered the Knicks. And, and they and they were they also threw um very effective double teams at Brunson and Randall who their first inclination is not to immediately pass. Um and and they didn't adjust, right? Like they they like to hold, survey, then pass. It's not like they're not interested in passing. They're just not going to quick hit, snap pass like Quickly and Grimes will do. Um, and we saw that towards the very end of the game um, when Quickly had that uh, dagger assist to Grimes for the dagger three. That was not wait, survey. That was that was read, react in in the true sense. And I think on the coaching side, it's it's just sucks to have no adjustment. Eventually. Event, I don't know what, if it was like two minutes or three minutes or even less when he finally put Randall at the five with four ball handlers. But it like we've seen teams do the zone thing against the Knicks, whatever. We've also seen them do the high-pressure physical defense before, namely every fucking time we play the Raptors. And um, the Pacers did it this go-around. They can't normally do it because of Halliburton, but um, without Halley, they could do it. And... The natural, just like you, just like the way to defeat a basic zone that we can never fucking do is stick a tall passer in the middle and spray to shooters. Um, the way to handle pressure is not via over dribbling. It's via quick passing and having ball handlers so that there's more outlets and more people to make passes and more people to receive passes. And, but he stayed big with Mitch on the floor for a while there which means you basically have one less outlet and uh, it increases the pressure on your guys to dribble more. And I'm like, dude, you just this the fucking Pacers. Like, they're not about to score at the rim a bunch of times to win the game. They're going to just shoot threes. You don't need Mitch for this stretch. And it's it. he just refused to adjust until very late, which is his MO. I mean, I, sh- I guess we should be happy he adjusted at all. Um, but this stuff isn't rocket science and it's not abdicating like Jalen Brunson had some bad turnovers and he he was the first one to say in the in the post game like hey I can't do that stuff and and he's right he shouldn't do that stuff they should move the ball but at the same time you have a deep team you have to use your flexibility the if the if Rick Carlisle and the Pacers who are down a couple guys can still find flexibility to adjust their game plan and they're in the same boat as you, you know, none of these teams are competing for the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Like, the Pacers are not, the Knicks probably are not, um, barring a surprise or a new coach. <laughs> but, like, look, Carlisle's an expert at this shit. His team doesn't have the same depth the Knicks do. But they were like, hey, like, we're rearranging it. We're playing different players. We're changing our strategy. It's not... Some fucking admission of whack planning or strategy. No, that's just a modern game. If you don't have a superstar, your strength is in depth, likely, if you're a good team. And the Pacers and the Knicks are similar in that way. The difference is Rick Carlisle was much more adaptable in the face of adversity than Tibbs was. And he almost 
stole the game from us. Thankfully, we were able to pull it out. Um, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened at the end there, but we were able to pull it out. It just shows you the value of that versatility. And it's one of those reasons that, like, should should we make it to the playoffs? You know, the Knicks probably have more. I wouldn't say probably. They do have more talent than the Pacers. But the combination of depth and a coach that's willing to take advantage of it. Um, like, would I be surprised if the Pacers did better than the Knicks in the playoffs? Not really. They're willing to adapt, right? Especially if you have less talent, you have to adapt. And if the Knicks play the Pacers in the playoffs, maybe they won't have to adapt. But if they play fucking Boston or Embiid or something, guess what? They're going to have to adapt. But I have no confidence that this team will be able to do that, which is why we constantly underperform our talent. And I know there's, for most of the season, people who are like, oh, we're, we have the talent of 500 or, or less. No, we don't, dude. Like I said on the last pod, we have two All-Stars and several $20, 25000000 million players. Three at least. Probably four if, if you consider Mitch underpaid. So there's my spiel. I'm happy we won, though, because yeah, the I'm game happy before we... that kind of sucked. <laughs> I'm happy we won. I, I'm thrilled about that. That's great. Um, I don't really understand why. Like, I just see like, a lot of people are like, well, why are you complaining? Like, we won the game. And it's like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really understand what that's supposed to mean. Like, so something happens that's good you can't complain about any element of it like i don't know i, I don't get that um because like we're not we're, this isn't like the 96 bulls this isn't like oh well you know mike just had it off game tonight but we figured it out because rodman randomly made his free throws tonight like no this is not this is not that this is like a team that's like got to figure shit out and doing and and part of that is on players to figure their shit out but part of that's like on you know tibs to put them in better positions and um like, uh, look, the the trapping, blitzing stuff, like, sure. Some of that is fundamentally just, like, Brunson. I thought I thought Brunson actually, like, look, he, I'll just say, who cares? I mean, I can just say this. Like, <laughs> I, 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 thought he, I thought he was really bad in the fourth quarter yesterday. And I know he had a couple of big shots, but I thought he was really bad. Like, he didn't. I mean, he'll be the first one to, to say that. Yeah, like, I mean, he can he say had a, He had a rough go of it. <laughs> he's had a lot of rough goes in the fourth quarter lately. He's got to get his shit together. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like. Enough of these possessions where he's just dribbling. Like, like I don't, I don't know why he has these possessions where like Julius calls for it in the middle of the floor, and he's just like, okay, I'll do that. Like, no, like that's not a good possession. You know, that's not a good possession. Tell his ass to get out of there. I don't want to see that. Like, if you're gonna dribble, and especially if you're gonna dribble the ball for like twelve seconds where you do anything, then just keep the fucking ball. I don't want to like I, enough of that shit. All right. Um, and and quite frankly, I thought his turnovers yesterday in the fourth were ridiculous. He had one where he gave it up, bring it up on the left side of the floor, and he just casually crossed it up in front of McConnell, who easily stripped him. He had another one where he just threw it. He got he luckily Julius actually saved his ass in this. Luckily, he threw it in. McConnell tipped it up like a very casual pass in to to Randall. McConnell tipped it up. Luckily, Julius was able to grab the loose ball. And then he had another one where he's bringing the ball up late up the floor. He's got McConnell on a one on one. He doesn't see Goga's just kind of like hanging out back there. And he spins and spins right into Goga. Luckily, the ball spun out of bounds. But it's like, look, I look. I, I'm. This isn't like, oh, Brunson's a problem, and like we no. No, he's, he's a great like, fourth quarter scorer. But like, you have to. If, it, like, the bar is very high for him as the point guard for the team. It's not. It's not enough to score. You can't just give high octane offenses other chances. Yeah. 
Right, and, and he he had a bad fourth quarter yesterday. I don't care. How, like, I, don't, I don't I don't know how many shots he made. I don't know how many points he had. No, it's fair to say. Like, it's, yeah, it, he didn't have. There's a, nothing wrong to say. He had a good game and a bad fourth. Yeah, whatever. he had a bad fourth quarter. Yeah, sure and happens. I thought and I thought I thought Julius just had a bad game. I, I thought Julius had a bad game flat out. I didn't think he played that well. I thought in the first half for a little bit anyway. He was able to just kind of like move the ball and generally like let other guys cook and stuff, but like. He he got into his own head in the second. He in, he just had bouts throughout the entire game, really, where he's like, because the Pacers were sending this soft double out of him every time he got the ball, and he's like, he looked very him. out of sorts. It was very weird. Yeah, he was pouting a lot yesterday. It I wasn't even was pouting to me. It was like a almost like he was like not sleepwalking, but like he kind of just looked like out of it. Like I don't know. It was, it I don't was know. really weird. He was weird yesterday. I and he just kept making really stupid turnovers. He had like. At least three or four that were just stupid. Like, like honestly, no other way to describe it other than that. Just really dumb turnovers. Um, you know, kept taking the soft double and then would try to like step through. And it's like you're overcomplicating stuff. Like, if you see the double coming, there's a pretty easy swing pass on either side or across. Like, just make the simple read. You don't have to hit a home run every single time. You know, it's fine to just get on base and let somebody else drive in the runs, dude. Like, you don't have to be the one to do it every fucking time. Um, what so, I'm curious uh, is I I mentioned this on Twitter about Brunson and the same goes true for Randall. Um, both of them have been on absolute tears, but you you know a lot of that has been you haven't seen much hard doubling. You'll see soft doubling on those guys, and soft doubling doesn't really to their credit it doesn't re- it hasn't really impacted them so much. But yesterday was one of the few times, and the game before that um, uh, for Brunson, you know this is the first time we're seeing teams really dare them to pass and between the zone defense and those kind of pressure situations particularly when they're like in the backcourt or near the sidelines you know I, I wouldn't be suspected if other teams begin to try that out now that you know the Knicks they're no longer a surprise right like teams teams know you can come back against the Knicks teams no, you can throw zones at them. You can throw pressure at them. So teams have options, right? There's a playbook now. Um, so just like, just like before, teams assumed Julius would settle for a jump shot, and he killed them for it by saying, "Hey, I'm I'm actually not going to settle a lot of the time this year, and you're not 250 pounds, so there's nothing you can do about it." You know, like the league is adjusting back to these guys. So. Uh, this is one of those things where it's on both player and coach and coaching staff, frankly, um, to just continue kind of the game of cat and mouse throughout the season. So it'll be really interesting to see how they deal with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I just think they're doing a shitty job of trusting teammates. Uh, that's yeah, what that's, that's what it comes down to. It's like your first instinct is score, score, score. Especially in crunch time, in in earlier in the game, they're much more willing to to pass it. Brunson had one pass earlier in the game that was like breathtaking. That was like a fucking cross court laser. And so you know we've talked about this with a lot of the Knicks. Like it's not like these guys aren't capable of doing the simple thing. They just there's a lack of trust there for teammates and for the process of doing those passings. And this is one of the downsides of making your offense extremely isolation heavy is when a team throws that curveball, you have no counter because you're only used to playing one way. You're not used to making quick decisions. We see it all the fucking time. It's why they suck at zone and it's why they suck at pressure defense. All of these things require 
like in the zones are another example. There's you okay. Know, hold on, no, hold on. I got, they don't suck at it. They actually have a guy who's really fucking good at breaking all these things. They, they except the for quickly. <laughs> they don't give him the ball. So like, this is the part of it where it's like, yeah, it's on them. And I do like, I think that Randall has like all they have. Of course, they got to make better decisions on the floor. But like, you're like he had, he had this quote yesterday after the game, and I was like, I think that somebody asked him why you know Grimes didn't come in until so late, and he says something like, oh, well, I wanted to have another ball handler on the floor. It doesn't matter if you have another ball handler on the floor if you don't let him handle the fucking ball. Like, th- that's just the fact of it. Like, you can have 15 ball handlers on the floor. If you're only going to give it to Brunson or Randall, and those are the only guys that are allowed to do something, then you're not going to succeed from it. And if you're not going to deviate your, your offensive strategy at all, you're going to have to deal with the same shit. Like, okay, you have a team that's trapping and blitzing you. You know what would be awesome? You know what would be great to have? If a team's trapping and blitzing you, what if you had like a really good downhill power forward that was capable of making plays against a tilted defense with with a numbers advantage? What if you had a guy like that on your bench? Wow, that would be really cool, right? That'd be like a great time to maybe use him, maybe give him a little more run, especially if the other team went small. And it's like this this never goes through. It's his so head. stupid. We have we have OB, we have IQ, we even have Hartenstein and Sims right. can both pass off uh, the short roll. Well, like, especially we... especially Hartenstein. And this and I wanted to say this because I've killed Hartenstein and I'm still like I thought he sucked again yesterday. But it's like this yesterday was a perfect game where it's like, okay, you've got this guy in the game, they're playing this you know, the the defense they were playing in the second half was effectively they were just trapping and blitzing constantly. So anytime you actually did move the ball, you'd get like a wide open three. And like the Knicks, look, the Knicks missed a bunch of wide open. That's what happens. People want, like sometimes Knicks fans wonder, like I've seen people on Twitter, like, oh, like I can't believe like the Pacers and the Raptors are like, they're they're so bad at defense. It's like, yeah, because against the Knicks, they look like the fucking Gary Payton Supersonics. But most other teams are like, oh. If you just jujitsu and move the ball, then like it's automatically an open shot. Well, yeah, and, it, and <laughs> not it's complicated. Like, well, and the Knicks, the Knicks got plenty of open. Sh- like RJ missed a bunch in the in the fourth sure, quarter, sure, sure. and you know I think quickly missed one in the fourth, and Grimes probably missed one, and Art Randall, like all these guys probably missed an open shot here or there. There's no question about it. But the point is like, like your reaction to missing open shots cannot be well. Let's not do that, or let's not try to hunt these shots in a better fashion, and like. Do I think that, like, I actually would say, like, yesterday is one where more than most games, I would say, like, it's not, like, I don't think yesterday was an example of us just totally deviating from, like, we're just trying to grind it out, walk the ball up. I mean, we did walk the ball up a lot, but I don't think that was just because we were trying to. It's also because of the pressure defense they were playing, right? Um, And, like, how we were handling that. So it wasn't a function of, like, Tibbs is just telling them to walk the ball up. It's It was a function of, we did not adjust to the what they were doing, and because of that, they were able to slow us down and bog us down, and we got into a lot of shitty situations. So, but like the point is, like you, you okay, that happens for four minutes, five minutes, six minutes. The lead goes up to like twenty five even during this time, right? Because the Knicks were initially like doing a good job of swinging the ball, finding the open man. They ended up getting to the penalty early, so they got to the foul line pretty easily. Like they were doing things that were good, um, but then they like. You run into a rut, and as soon as they go into a rut, right? They stupid turnovers and iso ball, and all they have this one. Shit. They have one changeup, right? And so they have one changeup, <laughs> I, I slow ball. I just, yeah, and so like to me, that's just a game where it's like I would love to believe, and I hope I will be optimistic and hope to believe that like Tim sees. Okay, I went to this 
weird lineup. Not even it's not even that weird a lineup to be honest. But I went to the small lineup for the last one fifteen, probably out of some level of desperation. I I I risked not having a, a true rim protector on the floor, right? And I got I had a lineup of Brunson, quickly, uh, Grimes, RJ, and Randall, where all five of these guys to some degree can can shoot, can dribble, can pass. They're all some type of threat with the ball in their hands. They're all some type of threat spotting up from behind the arc. Like that all of a sudden, the Knicks ran two actual half court possessions with that group. They got an open short mid range pull up, like an eight foot mid range pull up for Brunson, which he missed. And by the way, on that shot, he had quickly and Grimes absolutely the fuck wide open in the corner if you wanted to pass it. Yep. Uh he missed that shot. He should have made that pass. And actually I'll say this. That's a pass that he's not made on a few occasions in late game situations this year. It didn't cost us yesterday. And like I don't hate the shot he's taking, but it would be nice to see him trust a teammate every now and then in that spot. Um that's all I'll say about that. Because I don't like he shoots like six thousand percent on it. So if he just wants to shoot it also <laughs> like I get it. But at the same time, I think there are times where I'd like to see him pass it. Um, okay, he misses that. Next possession down, quickly gets in the paint. He sets up... And he, he, first of all, he gets a switch because they're switching and they're doing all this trapping, so they're scrambling all over. He gets a switch onto Goga. He just sizes up Goga. Doesn't even have to really do a move on him. Just blows by him. All the Pacers collapse because that's what simple, happens in a defense like this. Like Everybody Clyde collapses. would say, simple basketball, man. Okay. Everybody <laughs> collapses and he sets up Grimes for an open three. And that's the game. That's the ball game right there, basically. Um, like, why you couldn't try? I understand. Okay, you want to see if Mitch, like, if you if you can impose your will after they cut the lead to sixteen, fine. You want to see if you can impose your will when they cut the lead to ten, you know, early in the fourth quarter. Sure, fine. But like, at some point before that, it's just crazy. And it's not just this game, but it's like. What are the odds we we've I don't I'll look it up right now. I would venture to guess that we have never seen that lineup before. Not once. I, I would be my guess. That we've never and I would guess if it's up like I would love to be wrong about this, we'll see. I would guess that we will not see that lineup unless it's out of sheer desperation or foul trouble or whatever. Like it's not gonna happen unless it's forced upon Tibbs or it's just some insane desperate situation. Um, and that's really frustrating to me because you watch that lineup and it's it's dynamic. it has a, it has advantages. There's uh, it's this is the thing. Like obviously, there's times where you don't want to run that lineup. It's not it's fucking... okay. That lineup. This is hilarious. That lineup has actually apparently played eight minutes together this year. How it many were eight, yesterday? <laughs> I, it would have been a minute fifteen. They didn't play more than that. Uh, I mean, I guess I would assume these minutes are like extremely highly situational minutes. Eight minutes, 140.91 offensive rating, 86.36 defensive rating. If there is some level of, like, something to hang your hat on for why, I mean, look, they're not going to, that definitely wouldn't sustain over. That's a plus 54.55 net rating. I will go out of a limb and say that's not going to sustain no matter what. Um, But, like, one reason to be somewhat optimistic about what maybe that could do over the long run is just the fact that in those eight minutes, they haven't even shot the three well. They're 16.67% from three. Opponents are also shooting the same percent. These are extremely small sample sizes. But usually, if something skews, you want to, it might skew there. The fact that it hasn't skewed there is encouraging, despite it being a small sample size. Um, but, like, there's no reason to think that this wouldn't cause a lot of teams problems 
to defend. You know, like you've got anytime there's a team that does that either that either that satisfies either of these two conditions. One, they just straight up don't have size at the five, um, or they rely on ball pressure ex- extensively. Then this lineup is a fantastic solution. It's like a no brainer, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also one like again if. If like we're gonna play Miami at some point, I don't know when the fuck we're playing them. Like you, they trap, they blitz, they switch, they do a lot of weird shit. Okay, like this, that would be a lineup to consider trying against them. And guess what? They don't have like a bunch of like dynamic dribble drive players or something. You know, like yeah, Butler gets to the rim, but Butler gets to the rim in the way that like RJ gets to the rim. It's not exactly, you know, like you're blowing past guys and you're just elevating for like monster dunks or something. You know, he's very methodical. Bam is a really good player, but Bam, if if Bam's going to beat me because of that lineup, so be it. Like, but, and this isn't to say you need to play this lineup 48 minutes or it, sh- it should be your primary lineup or that it should happen every single night. Like, no, but it should be one that we should see consistently. Like, it should be one that we see, oh, we're playing the Clippers tonight? Okay. Let's try this out because they play small and, like, they don't, like, they play a bunch of minutes without a center. You know, and it's not just with that com- combination, right? It can be with other combinations. Like, you can try Obi and Randall together for sure against a team like Indiana last night. You could have easily done that. But, like, you have to try. And, and again, like, I, I don't think, I, I don't want to say tips. I don't think he coached a particularly good game. Uh, I don't think he coached a bad game. But it was a game where you just saw, like, okay, the lead is gradually, and you could feel it. You could feel it shifting at the end of that third quarter and you could definitely feel it at the start of the first quarter or the fourth quarter and his only adjustment which was insane to me was just like okay well Hardenstein got a minute let me bring Mitch back in oh deuce you fucked up let me bring Jalen Brunson back in there's not a thought of like of doing anything else but just getting your best guys back in and that's not an adjustment and that's actually like yes that's part of coaching but that's like the least inspiring version of a good coach Sometimes just, I just wonder if, like, if all of this shit stems from, like, back in the Chicago days. Because you can, if you're, like, a fucking, one, like, a true one seed, yeah, you can impose your will 90% of the time. Like, the Nuggets don't have to adjust their play style that much. Like, no, y'all are going to fucking deal with Jokic, and it is what it is. That's that. But, like... You know, if you have Derrick Rose and, and prime Joakim Noah and all that shit, it works. But if you're if you're battling now, especially where the league is in terms of just coaching and strategies and everybody's maximizing offense and you have a lot more information at your fingertips for decision making, like that shit don't cut it, man. Like it's not just oh, like people like you said before, it's not just like, oh, teams can get back into it because of because of leads and stuff, and you're just a helpless bystander. Like you, we've seen this movie. Like you're well, allowed if, to if, adjust. If you lose leads, if you lose leads, and you're trying different things, then at that point you could probably just be like, "Look, you gave, I have six really good players, but I don't have anything after that, right? The, right. These other guys aren't doing anything for me. I've tried different things. I, I genuinely, I don't think it's even fair to say he's tried different things. Like it's fair to say he's maybe tried different lineup comments. We haven't I, even run zone defense once. Right. Yeah, like that's that's it's I don't it's, have the data in front of me, but I genuinely wonder I, like I, what other never, teams have never, literally 
No, no, I know, but like, is there any? I, I wonder if there's any other team that has literally run no no zone defense possessions. Maybe. I mean, maybe there's a few. Like, I it's possible. There's no. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. That's but I would I'm... I would venture <laughs> I would I would guess that it is the the minority of teams. And again, absolutely, it's not, it's not so much. We know like, because how many of them shits have we seen against us? <laughs> and and the the main issue is like if so. There's, I don't care. I, people can be like, well, that's just what happens at the end of games. Things slow down. Like, okay, yeah, sure, things slow down and fine. But, like, you cannot tell me the offensive style and just general game plan we have routinely in third and fourth quarters is what we were in the first and second quarters. And that would be acceptable to me. Like, you can't deviate what you do offensively, but never deviate what you do defensively or with lineups or with rotations. And, like, like you, you can't. If you're gonna deviate one, then you have to be. You have. Then you're, what you're tacitly saying is that like strategy and approach can and should change depending on the state of it, like the status, the the game state, right? The score, whatever it is. If you're not willing to do that defensively, or if you're not willing to alter rotations and lineups at times, also, like then, then you're just. Like you're really not making any sense to me. Like that that doesn't make any sense because you're you're applying one standard to the offensive side of the ball, but you're saying the other side is actually totally different. Like, no no, that has to stay the same always because reasons. Like which obviously doesn't make sense. And again, yesterday, like, thank God he, he brought Randall in and it looked like they were they, they had a plan when Randall came into the five uh and Mitch went out that like they were gonna start switching everything. And Randall actually got a really good contest on Buddy, but he tried to sell a bullshit foul. Didn't happen. Um, also, that that and one that they that Buddy got in his favor was not an and one. That was bullshit. The RJ one. Yeah, that was bullshit. That was I don't think he bad. touched him. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Um, but like, oh, but like, it's just I'm happy he did that. But it's like now, like, cause I I remember a game. I will never forget this game we played in Brooklyn. Uh, this is his first year. Tibbs' first year. They were torching us in the first half. Oh my god, absolutely lighting us up. I think they had a Harden and KD or Harden and Kyrie. One of the big three was out, but they had two, and they're just lighting us up, right? Harden's running screen and roll, drop, kick out to a three. Harden runs screen and roll, drop. He gets in a floater range cash. It was just a constant barrage, and they, you know, they blitz us for like seventy points in the first quarter, first half, and in the second half. Tibbs actually deviated. He he switched a lot more. He played Frank a bunch. He played Randall at the five. We started switching. Like, and we got back in the game. We nearly won it. But it was like, like I remember watching that game. And I'm like, so like you do understand, like you do hundred percent get that like this is possible and that this is a viable strategy. Actually, times you just don't want to do it because it's not comfortable for you. Basically, like that's what it is. It's not comfortable for him. It's not what he prefers, and so if he can avoid it, he will. But that 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 restricts, kind of like you never get to see what. Like I would like to see just how how do we react for three minutes when you go to that lineup down seven in the fourth quarter. Like you're never gonna know if that works un, until you do it, and you're not gonna know in what situations it will work and in what situations it absolutely won't unless you do it. And the fact that like. He understands. He definitely gets that, like, it, it can work and it, it 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 can be extremely valuable at times. The, he definitely gets that. 
he's just so unwilling to go to that place, right? Like the one time this year we really saw him go to to Randall and Obi for a, a meaningful stretch was that random game in Philly, right? Where we were kind of down in the fourth quarter, just looking for a spark, and he went to it, and that worked. But like it, it, and but like you know, does, did we learn? Like, what did we learn from that? How often has he gone to that since then? These are the things that are like so weird to me about him, where he he definitely fundamentally understands like there these things can work in situations. He's just so unwilling to get to that place ever. I was just looking at the last two minutes before and to see uh, after you mentioned the the bullshit call and they ruled the the RJ thing correct. They said. Uh, Barrett makes contact with Heald's arm during the release of his jump shot. No, he doesn't. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't see it. But um, it's all funny, that's all. Um, there were two incorrect calls, though. They went against the Knicks, surprise. So yeah. um, that tends to happen. I'll say this, I'll say this. I, I went on this rant once on Twitter, and uh, we, it doesn't have to be a long thing, but like, NBA officiating sucks. Like, like I'm for years. I had been like, I'm not saying it's worse than college. I think college officiating is worse. College is just like the wild fucking west. But like, they do I, a lot. They let a lot more contact go in college. That's yeah. I whatever. That's fine. I, I college is just wild. Like you don't know what you're gonna get game to game. And the NBA is just getting like that. Like I legit. I just. Like obviously, you know, you have to adjust to how the game's being called. Like that's always been the case. But with the way players take advantage of ambiguities in the rules now and things like that, it's it's so bad. It's even worse. Um, like I legit don't know on any given. Like if you just ask me, like what what is a foul? What is a foul when you're guarding somebody at the point? What is a foul? Like nobody can answer these fucking questions. Like very basic questions. Like what is a foul in X situation? Like what kind of contact is allowed under the rim? What kind of con? Nobody knows the answer to these situations. So it just becomes game by game. Refs constantly, uh, constantly reward reputation rather than uh, what they actually see. It's really annoying. Um, I this is a super imperfect measure, but like I looked at um, fouls drawn by All Star reserves over the last couple of years, and the reason I chose All Star reserves is because at the top of the league, these motherfuckers like they may take advantage of the rules, but they're also just all varying degrees of some unstoppable force like even back in the day like Harden's bullshit was super fucking annoying but like he was also faster and stronger than everybody he played and he knew how to exploit the rules like guys hit his arm and whatever like the one that drove me absolutely fucking nuts yesterday was they called a foul on quickly because Matherin shoved his elbow in his face like what is he supposed to do he just he's up straight with his arms up Matherin jumps with his elbow out it hits quick in the face like grazes him in the face, really. It's not even like it's not like Matherin elbowed him in the face, but he grazes him in the face, and that's a shooting foul. Like I don't know, and I gotta say, man, Matherin gets a fucking wild whistle for a rookie. Yeah, he, he, like, he straight up tackled Mitch yesterday. And they were just like, oh, that's just a common foul. I'm like, he he's built like 
fucking Ray Lewis and he tackled him. I think that should be a little bit more than just a common foul here. Like, what the fuck? Um, Mitch gets fucking destroyed. Um, by the way, one of the incorrect calls was um, uh, the play where Goga, air quotes, stripped Jalen Brunson. He didn't strip him. He kicked the ball. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He kicked yeah, the ball yeah. and they didn't call Like, that was on the report. Like, incorrect call. Like, he kicked well, the yeah, ball. He kicked him. In fairness, though, like, Brunson basically just dribbled into him. Like, he just ran into him. It was Whatever. Not, that's yeah. fine. I'm just saying, like, you can't miss a kickball. It's a kickball. It's a kickball. Did, we got the ball back, though, anyway, right? So, yeah, because this motherfucker, like, did a, like, break dance slide out of bounds. It was credit <laughs> Goga, man. He, he came in. He hit that three. He was trying his ass off. Yeah, it was just bad funny to see him. He's so huge. He just slid like 20 I, feet. <laughs> I do want to say this. I, 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 we can talk, let's talk a little bit about RJ because I thought RJ had a really good game and then he had a t- bad fourth quarter. I, I'm, I'm just giving him a pass for the fourth quarter because there's like his first 41 game back, minutes. <laughs> yeah. However many, I don't know how many, how many days, 40, games, oh. whatever. Like he hasn't played in a while. You can do all the running you want and I'm sure he's done plenty. You can do all the conditioning work, all the gym work, all that shit. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be able to just play 40 NBA minutes. Like it, it doesn't work like that. And it was bananas to me that Tibbs basically was just played him the. He played the entire fourth quarter. I think I'm almost positive he played the entire fourth quarter, which is crazy because we had Quentin Grimes available. So like you could have just sat RJ for two or three minutes, even or four or five, whoever for our money. But you could have sat him for a little bit, even if you wanted to bring him back in later. And predictably, he was so short on all of his threes, which was annoying because almost all of them were online, except for that. Oh, the fourth quarter ones? Yeah. yeah. Except for that disgusting air ball he threw up. Um, but, like, you could tell he had no legs. He is, you know, I went back and watched it. I didn't notice how. And it's particularly this... egregious when they're running, like. Five out. Five out and. Five out focused with Buddy. Yeah. Like, that guy's, he's hard to guard anywhere, let alone fucking sprinting around this shit. But yeah. we have somebody who's really good at that, who's well, just yeah. hanging out on the bed. And, and, and like, I didn't, I, I didn't understand that. And it's like, like, look, in, even within that, did he make poor decisions? Yeah. That pass he threw to Mitch was ridiculous at the end of the fourth quarter. Like, he also threw that instantly off the inbounds. Like, what, like you don't desperately need to get it in, and if you do, you definitely don't need to desperately get into fucking Mitch there. Okay, calm <laughs> down. Um, but like some, like he he forced up two or three shots that were just awful, like bad shots. Well, one of them, one of them was like actually both of them were at the end of the clock, but they both were after he could have passed into somebody who was open. Which surprise, surprise, like goes back to the first issue we talked about, right? Um, but like. I mean, he just looked like a tired guy to me, making tired, stupid, tired decisions at, at a certain point. Like, does he need to be better and fight? Sure, fine. I don't know how to parse through it, but, like, I think we can say, like, I think it's okay to say, yeah, Tibbs fucked that up. Like, just, it's not even, and that's not even, like, kill Tibbs. No, just, like, yeah, dude, probably should have just, like, give it. Like, I think Grimes ended up with 30-something minutes, barely over 30 minutes, and RJ had about 40. Like, you, you couldn't have given five of his minutes to Grimes in the fourth. Like, you know, like that—that that couldn't have happened. Um, and so, like, I, I don't know. I don't really get that. And you know, I, to go back to the lineup thing we we're talking about, I've seen a lot of people say, like, "Oh man, like this is going to be such an issue for Tibbs to like, you know, 
do you close with Grimes and RJ? Do you close with quickly and RJ? Do you close with quickly and and Grimes? Like this is such a like thing now that he has to like work out and figure out what's the best. And it's like, I mean, I agree that like that that had that presents some challenges, but one sure. that's a good problem. That's a sure. good problem to have. And then the other thing is like, you can maybe sometimes close without Mitch, like and play all of those guys. You know, like like it's not just we have to pick two of those three guys. Like it can be Mitch that sits at the end of a game one time. Shit, it can be Brunson if he doesn't have a go in one day, which apparently is never going to happen. But, like, you know, it can be Randall if he's playing good jackass. It can be, like, there should be situations running this stuff. And this, like, of course, uh, on the whole, like, you're going to play, you're going to close with RJ and Brunson and Randall, not necessarily just because they're your best players, or, you know, we can debate that if we want, like, but, like, Yes, there is a reality of like these are your three highest played players. So I understand like you're going to close them most of the time, but that doesn't need to mean all of the time. And um, it certainly doesn't mean they have to close with a traditional five on the floor. You know, like there there are opportunities for the Blazers. Him to do... the, I always go back to the Blazers. What does Nurk get? He gets about what Mitch gets, right? 15, he, gets, 16, he, gets more. he gets more. He gets he got four seventy two this summer. Yeah, the Blazers. You know they. They know Dame is their best player. They know Simons for his shitty defense is still really important on offense. And everyone else is just like, to use an ironic word, situational, right? Like, it. this is just the league. I, I know our whole shtick more so than the Blazers is rebound. Like, I'm, we're not oblivious to the rebounding struggles of a lineup without a true five here, right? Like, Schwinn is the rebounding evangelist of the fucking internet. Like <laughs> this guy rebounding is his favorite back when he did draft stuff was like his number one evaluation metric <laughs> was just fucking rebounds per game. And like, it's okay. Like in the, the thing about the end of the game, I, I'm actually a little less worried about the rebounding stuff at the end of the game. Cause that's one of the few times that, it's not uncommon to see Julius lock into his rebounding responsibilities more at the end of the games, to his credit, because, you know, it's the end of the games, right? Like, you, you don't bullshit as much, hopefully. So, we uh, well, also, like, to be fair, like, we didn't, the our worst rebounding quarter was the fourth. And I, again, like, I saw Mitch absolutely fucking fuck up a box out on, uh, was it Isaiah Jackson? Maybe it was Isaiah. Yeah, no, it was Jalen Smith. Yeah, it was Jalen Smith. And it's like, like, he, it's probably just because, it happened like right when he came back in for Hartenstein, which was after he got all of one minute of rest, right? Like he's probably just fucking tired. So all of a sudden you were keeping these guys off the offensive glass the entire game. And now all of a sudden Goga's getting rebounds over him. And Chris Duarte is getting rebounds over RJ Barrett. And like like this the stuff isn't just because like all of a sudden they stopped trying. They played a bunch of minutes. They're probably tired. And they, and they didn't just play a bunch of minutes. They played a bunch of minutes right in a row. Right in a row. So, like, I I just... I'm... Even if he's... Even if he only trusts these six guys, which I think is where he's at right now, you still have to do a, a better job of buying them rest when they need it. And, like, yesterday was a night... Quickly played 26 minutes. Play him more. You know, like, like this isn't unknowable. That's the most frustrating thing. Like people act like there's no, like asking us asking for these solutions is like wanting him to break the mold of modern coaching. Like, bro, no, it's literally, it's literally Tibbs, Glenn, and Nurse. 
they're the only fucking people who are like, bah, 45 minutes in a row for you guys. Everybody else is like, oh, yeah, these human beings need rests because NBA basketball is fucking crazy. And even if it's just like, oh, I'm going to steal you away for like one minute here. Like, guess what? They're not, the other team is not going to go on a 15-0 run in one minute. <laughs> and And also, like, I mean, these are just small things, but. He's like he hasn't bear. He didn't play the Grimes quickly deuce lineup at all yesterday. I don't think he's like now made that always RJ because he wants a second handler on the floor. And I I get that, but I'm also like, dude, those three guys together have been for whatever reason that group has worked really well together on several occasions and over their minutes have been like really effective. And I don't know what's going on with, like, the, the quickly RJ minutes lately have been weird, especially because for some reason he has, like, Deuce bring the ball up and Deuce can't dribble right now or, like, doesn't know how to dribble when he plays in the NBA and is playing with no confidence. So he takes, like, 10 seconds to bring the ball up and get anything organized. It, it's just stupid. Like, you have quickly an RJ on the floor. Just let them do it. And, and like, yeah, so anyway, I want like the RJ thing is like I thought he played well. I'm happy that he's back. He played tremendous yeah, on the I, whole. Like I fucking like I was he had two no backboard finishes that I thought were fucking beautiful. I thought his shooting was very crisp. I don't know. I can't put my finger on why it looked crisp to me. At first I was like is it a it was, little it was very confident. I was like is is it a lower release is what? Like it like all them shits it felt like they were all fucking net. Yeah, yeah, you you, you look good, and then um, look, he gets tired at the end. It is what it is, but like, yeah, I thought he looked really good, and um, I'm very happy time. to have him. It's a good yeah, time. very very happy to have him back because I, I don't know how much longer we were going to be able to just like yeah. ride <laughs> five guys into Kingdom Come. Um, though now we can do it with six guys, which is great. Uh, no, I I just it was good to see him on the floor, and then the other thing I liked, um, or that I wish. We had seen more of was just like I I will I, I just don't understand like the usage of quickly at all I, I really don't like we know this guy can handle the ball like when he's on the floor with Deuce I don't ever want to see Deuce bring the ball up unless like quickly's being trapped or something but there were clearly like like, like plays where you see quickly inbound the ball for Deuce or give the ball to Deuce and let him bring it up and it's like I I hundred percent do not believe that quickly's just like oh. I gotta get Deuce like I gotta get Deuce going here. Like no, you know when that's okay when somebody when your point guard plays forty minutes and you need to give them a little breather and you're like, all right, at least he can we can spare him the ball pressure for a couple of seconds before he gets into our offense. But I keep playing twenty minutes. He doesn't need that. He's fine. Well, look, and, and <laughs> for the first time in like two weeks, he didn't yeah, play forty and, minutes. <laughs> and what I was gonna say is in that fourth quarter, like you see that Brunson struggling a bit with bringing the ball up against TJ, and that TJ's hounding him the entire way up. Why not have quickly bring it up? Because he was being defended by, like, who? Like, fucking Nemhard? Or, you know, Buddy Heal? Buddy's not pressuring anybody, for, like, the full floor, and Nemhard can try. I don't think he's going to be, like, particularly great at it. But, like, like, why are you just forcing Brunson to do this? Like, the, the entire point that he brought up in the postgame, right? This is what he said is that he wanted to have another ball handle on the floor. Okay, you brought another ball handle on the floor. What the fuck do you want to do with him other than you just want him out there? Just, yeah, see, I had two guys. Like, okay, the point is to, to help Brunson effectively, right? Help your offense flow better. Help it get into, into their sets better. 
So let quickly bring the ball up. Even if you want the ball, to, if you want him to bring it up and be frank and immediately toss the ball to, you know, Brunson and clear the fuck out, fine. But, like, let him just do that and save Brunson those, like, that energy. Like, I, I just, the, 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 like, those are the small things where, like, yeah, I, I think that is coaching. And I think that it does add up in the end, in the aggregate. Like, we can sit here and be like, well, the win's all that matters. And, you know, how are you upset about this? And, like, we're going to make the playoffs anyway. And you're going to, like, yeah, we probably will. But you know what? Like, you don't want to go to the playoffs and have no extra gear. And that can be in the sense of you don't have any tactical pivots. You don't have any lineup pivots. You don't have any, you know, um, set plays out of timeouts you've been working on. Or in this case, like just making sure guys have something left in the tank and that they don't just use it all just to get there. Cause we did see that to an extent a few years, like a couple years ago where like you just had no juice left in that series. You know, you like got, you need you need counters, you need curveballs. Like yesterday, we got fucking lucky. Like let's say it is what it is. Like they had a great fourth quarter, and they had a they had great tactical adjustments. But like the Pacers went twelve of thirty nine from three. Buddy Heald went seven of fifteen. The rest of the team is not going to shoot that bad all the time. Like when we face teams that are better than the Pacers. We're, that's just not going to happen. Like, Matherin was 5 of 9 from the free throw line. Like, they're... It, it could... Just like it could look better if the Knicks hit some of those fourth quarter threes, it could look better if the Pacers hit some of their open shots in the first half and in the second half, too. Like, it's not crazy. It's... I mean, yes, and you know, there's, it's a make-or-miss league. Good offensive teams, even they are going to have nights where they miss from three or whatever. But, like, you just leave stuff on the table. And, and that shit is more acceptable early on in the lifespan of a team when it's like, all right, the guys are new. You're trying to simplify it. Um, they're, part, you know, they're 19 years old, 20 years old or whatever. And, you know, obviously the team is still young, but, like, Mitch, Julius, RJ, I like these guys have been playing together for a while. Like, yeah, Brunson's new, but everybody else is pretty much there. Like, even Grimes, he's newish, but like we've always had some kind of shooter there, right, or whatever. So like, it's not it's Bullock, it's Fournier, it's Grimes, whatever. But like, this is this is the time. Like, all right, like you, we're in year three or whatever. Like, make some adjustments, dude. Just. And we, I mean, we we beat the dead horse to death, to life, and back to death. But it, it's just, you just know it's going to come back to bite you. And it's like I said last week, it's it's insane that people think we should not be capable of asking for more from a team as fans. Just as a philosophical point, like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, just because entirely different Knicks teams with entirely different coaches and front offices and entirely different human beings being employed for them were bad means this step. I can't wish for better from this entirely separate group of human beings. This makes no logical sense. Like what does the fuck does the Isaiah Thomas Knicks have to do with me being happy and wanting more from this very well constructed team? With a coach who I know, like you said, understands some of this shit, and it's just I think he like gets all of it. I don't think yeah. it's, I think he gets all of it. He just he just is he believes that if you execute 
the things that he wants to execute and you execute them better. Then like, that outweighs the weaknesses of not right. having the change-ups and da-da-da-da-da. Right. And that's how he's always been, and that's just what he thinks. And, like, to be, like, in some like, it's not actually too dissimilar to somebody like Steve Kerr at his core. Because Steve Kerr at his core believes that, like, no, we're not going to run high pick and roll because we trust our kumbaya offense and everybody has to touch the ball and we're going to flow into these 7,000 sets no matter what. And it's like, yeah, and guess what? He's lost some playoff games because of that. And there have been, like, you know, he's he's had to, and there are times, you know what he does sometimes now at the end of games? So just give the ball to Steph Curry and get the fuck out of the way. Like, like yeah, there, there's, you have to, every coach, like, it's like Steve Kerr might be the, the, he has a, a similar concept in the entire opposite philosophy of somebody like Tom Thibodeau, but they're actually both very stubborn guys. But like, you don't, you have to be adaptable. You have to be willing to embrace things that you don't necessarily want to to do all the time. And that's or fine. Different, like, different lineups, <laughs> right? That's it. Like, I, I like again. Like, I don't think Tibbs is really that far off from being like. 99% of what I would ideally want, but, like, that last 5, 10, 15%, however much it is, that's the part that, like, he's, you know, it's it's hard for him. So, alright, uh, before we continue, the NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card, my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off, to kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 203 bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, I got a question for you. I was talking to one of my yeah. boys who's a Pacers fan. They exist. That's right. It's not just Mark and Caitlin. Um, if you were the Pacers, would you hang tight, sell off, or get reinforcements? I would sell off. I wonder what they can get for, like, for Buddy and Miles. I mean, I don't know who else you're moving, but... I mean, you should I, be able to get something. Yeah, I just don't really understand, like, what are you building with those guys? Like, they're not... The way if, I see if, it, the argument for keeping for, them... Okay, My, Miles would Miles is more acceptable for me to keep because he's, what, 26 or 27? Like, he's actually not that old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, you know, I'll just say this, like, I don't think Halliburton is that great. I think he's fine. I think he's an okay player. I think he's pretty solid. But, like, I think his offense is super overrated. Um, I don't think his shot creation matters that much at all. I don't buy his shot creation at a high level ever. Like, I think that he'll be, what is he like, nineteen points per game right now? He's got the ball 20. in his hands. Yeah, he's got the ball in his hands a ton. Um, but he's never gonna be one of these twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven point per game guys. That's fine. You don't need to be like that. That's totally okay. Um, but to that point, like. And I also think yesterday you saw just that little bit of less space he has without Miles on the floor. Man, all of a sudden those driving lanes are a lot more. They're they're not as comfortable. And for a guy who doesn't really 
get to the rim and doesn't love contact as much as Halliburton doesn't love contact, all of a sudden that's a lot harder to negotiate. So um, all, all of a sudden those easy pick-and-pop passes for threes that you can rack up bullshit fucking video game number assists with, um, those are harder to get. Like, I, I thought you saw a lot of his limitations come to the floor, and that is against the Knicks who don't do much game plan specific shit for him. The Knicks don't do a lot of game planning, but I think roster-wise, they're a night... They're fucking... It's not, to me, like, his stats versus the Knicks overall in the last five games are not good. Um, I think he's, like... He's just not shooting well from three, and he's shooting, like, 44%, which is fine, but, like, low for him. And it's because they have physical defenders on the perimeter, and they are one of the few teams that's really committed to, like, Mitch on the inside and physicality on the inside, physicality on the outside. But then you look at you look at the East, right? The the division he's in, and okay, look at Boston at the top, and it's the same thing. It's physicality inside, physicality outside. Sixers, same thing. Milwaukee, same thing. So like it, that shit's all good versus a lot of teams in the NBA. But in in the place he's applying his trade for the foreseeable future, it's something. He's going to figure it out. And the answer to it really is, I don't know how many threes per 100 he's taken up. Um, the time Halliburton strikes the most fear into me is actually not when he's, like 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 you said, his playmaking, it, it's, it's, it's very good. And it works because it's a perfect fit. Like Carlisle's just done a masterful job of like putting guys in great roles to me this year, up and down that roster. But what strikes the most fear into me is when Halliburton... Like, once or twice a game, he'll just be like, I'm pulling up from 32. Like, fuck it. I'm taking my weird-ass shot, and I'm doing, like, Dame style. Like, I'm just pulling up. Because he can make that. But he he chooses – he does, like, academy – he has academy brain a little bit. And he's like, no, I got to run the offense, da 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 And I know Carlisle would be okay with that shit. That's the funny part. Like, I know Carlisle – Car- Buddy does that shit. I know Carlisle would be okay with that shit. And – until he gets a little more uncomfortable and rewires himself, um, it's going to be tough unless they eventually get, um, you know, like a real top gun to kind of relieve some of that shot creation pressure. Because obviously, if you're like second or third guy, then it becomes a little more acceptable. Yeah, I mean, Matherin maybe becomes that guy, but like, yeah, who knows? I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't get the point of Buddy on this team. Like, what, what is he, 31? I mean, I get yeah. him in the, in the immediate context of miles makes more sense to me because like to me if you're gonna employ non-young guys quote not like you said miles is not you know he's not he's, he's like julius, julius. yeah they, they're this, that's why they're bros or whatever um i think they're both from dallas uh yeah, and are. um as an aside like half this draft draft class is from dallas so i don't know what they got going on over there but they're cooking um you know a, a stretch five and a rim protector is always always good for um player infrastructure development like it's just good. It's just good for, you know, how how long did we wish RJ had a little more space to work on his drives and whatever, whatever. Um, and on defense, like you saw, there's a Isaiah Jackson is my son, but there's just a really, there's a really huge drop off in rim protection from, uh, from Miles to Ijax and, and Jalen Smith and Goga. So it, it gives, in some ways, like not having Miles, it exposes a lot of their, defensive issues like um i have mark on draft strickland and we were talking about matherin and you know we were obviously like glowing about a lot of his offense but mark straight up was like you know he's his defense is actually a tire fire 
he's 20. It's not the end of the world, but like it's a tire fire. Like it's just, it is what it is. And it's, again, not the end of the world, but like without Miles there, you got no one cleaning it up. You see how, how rough their perimeter defense really is. Because um, normally Ricala doesn't play TJ McCollum and Andrew Nemhart together because that's not going to work on offense most of the time unless you happen to be getting a zillion fast break points. So um, Miles, I get for the infrastructure, but Buddy is like, he's good for, obviously, he's, Helps you for winning games. He's an amazing shooter. But you have to weigh that against... When you're weighing that against gaining an asset, to me, his great offense and spacing is less important than what Miles brings in terms of development. And you could probably get something pretty solid for Buddy still because there's lots of teams that I'm sure would love the league leader in three pointers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.